everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pilot's Guide podcast. I am your host, John, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sean, today to talk a little bit about the Hulu original show, Handmaid's Tale. Uh, Sean and I are tasked with the job of watching the original episode pilots of Hulu, Netflix, uh, Amazon Original, and potentially Apple, maybe Disney, um, original TV shows that are restricted to that particular streaming service. So we base all of our reviews off of the first episode impressions, uh, and then we talk a little bit about things that we think will happen later in the episodes uh, for future seasons, and then give a little bit of a review using our patented Clear for Takeoff and Crash Landing two-point scale. So we'll start off doing a little bit of description about the episode as a whole. Sean, how did you uh, how did you feel about about this little show? Give me your give me your first impressions. First impressions, deep. It's deep. It, it was really deep. First episode, right off the bat, it's like you don't know what's going on at first. Mm-hmm. It just like throws you right in, and you're like that little kid that's just like I don't know how to swim. What what am I watching? And then as it goes on, you sort of pick up in a in a range of like what's going on. But yeah, it gets deep and somewhat depressing. Then like starts off weird. Are you suggesting this is a show for little kids? Uh, d- uh viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> viewer discretion is advised. This this episode might get a little more. Uh, I I don't know if we're gonna if it's gonna be risque in the sense, but it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little heavy, a lot heavier than our our boy Joshy from the last episode. Oh man, Joshy. I really wish we had. Uh, <laughs> Had some laughs to talk about, but yeah, not many this episode. No. So let's get down to business a little bit. Uh, could you describe to me how it started off? What was like the what was like the first scene? How did it open up? How did the episode start off? I'll so the episode starts off. There's police sirens mm-hmm. in the background uh, does it start on a black screen is it it's, just yeah black screens and then police Poli- sirens. yeah and then it goes to a black guy driving a car as if he's dr- running from the police or driving from the police and then they it pans to the girl and the little kid the, the little girl and then they crash into a tree so as they crash into this tree, the black guy goes over to the lady, who we learn more about later on in the episode, and the little girl, and tells them to just go run into the woods, and he'll catch up with them later. And they hesitate at first, because they don't want to leave him behind, with the cops coming after him, obviously. And they just go and run anyway. And I think they said later in the episode that the little girl was eight years old. Imagine, like, this is a small lady kind of carrying this eight, running, carrying this eight-year-old girl in the middle of the woods. And later on, or soon after they're running, they hear gunshots mm-hmm. at from the police. And I guess you're just supposed to assume that it was at the black guy. 
then they then the girl and the little girl hide under a cliff and there's the one tense moment when the police police guy are they even the police so they appear to us uh so so the mom and her daughter are hiding on this little um cliff little like cliff thing uh like at the bottom of a hill and they're uh, backed up against this rock and the mother looks up and she sees like the boots and the assault rifle of what i would assume as like a soldier more so than a cop yeah uh they're dressed in dressed in all black and they're holding assault rifles Mm -hmm. and the one part that got me is like they don't see her it's like they just hey let's not look downward beyond this cliff where she could potentially be hiding yeah, that, that's that's always, like, a thing that I struggle with in, in movies and TV shows where they're, like, just out of sight. They would definitely... It's, like, there's no reason that they wouldn't search. Yeah. But, uh, what it, she she thinks that... She thinks that they're gone, does the typical, like, okay, pick up my daughter, and keeps running. She doesn't get very far before they realize that, oh, there she is, and there both they, of them are, and then, uh, the... Two guards are on them, on top of them, and they're prying the daughter out of her mother's and, hands. And then they eventually, they bring out, what's it called, the, like, the wooden sticks that police have, and they, like... Like a police baton. Baton, thing. yeah, that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. They get a police baton, and they start beating her, and they knock her unconscious, mm-hmm. and then she wakes up on a gurney being put into a black van, would you call it? Yeah, basically. Like a black... It's not like, it's not like an ambulance. yeah. And then, and then it cuts into it. Just, yeah, it just pretty much cuts into her in a red gown and one of those white. What would you call it? Sil, not silhouette. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much a silhouette. silhouette. This, this is probably one of the nicest shots in the show. This is how they open up the episode and how they actually close out the episode. They have her sitting on this, um, like the the windowsill. Yeah, windowsill in front of white curtains. Uh, it's just sort of a very neutral tone room, and she says this line of um, to describe what's around her. There's a chair, a table, a lamp, and a window. And she goes into detail to describe that the window is made with um, unbreakable glass, yeah. and it's not because they're worried that the the women are going to escape from their prison via the window and run off because. They would be killed on sight, basically, the, and sent to the and or sent to the the colony. Which colony, we'll, yeah. we'll describe a little bit more later. Yeah. But she says that it it's unbreakable glass because they don't want them to escape through other methods that she refers to as. Uh, well, she basically suggests that killing they're themselves. they're killing themselves to yeah. to to get out of the situation. It, it introduces us to this character, Alfred. She is Alfred. referred to. Um, and what she tells us as the viewers is that she is a handmaid. And what we learn throughout the episode is that a handmaid's job is to give birth to the children of the commanders in the U.S. Army because their wives are barren. I think there's like, I think they, they talk about it in greater detail later in the episode, but there's like a fertility crisis and... No, no, none of the, I guess, higher up women in society 
are able to give birth to children so they use these handmaids that are like basically slaves to these commanders to bear their children so basically our main character offered we we realize she's captured um and she gives she she goes about her her day it's it's several months later she's been a part of this compound for a while but uh the show especially uh, you know like a lot of pilots like to do they like to give you flashbacks if they start yeah. in uh, a recent future so this episode's heavy with flashbacks the way that we're going to do it is instead of going chronologically through the episode we'll go chronologically through what happened between her getting kidnapped and her coming to grips with this situation several months later so after she's kidnapped what do we get we get a we get a scene of her being oh, sort of so. drug into like a classroom and there's this teacher instructing aunt these, lydia yeah so she's referred to as aunt lydia and it's just this older woman who is in charge of explaining to the other handmaids who some of them have already been in the placed in the red gown with the the white hats they're already learning what their role is in society now. One of they reminded me of. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of like a Catholic school, or maybe even, mm. maybe even a public school, like back way in the days when they were like it was just like that intimidating nun that would like yeah. hold the paddle and like whack you, but instead of being a paddle, it would be a taser thing. Yes. Yeah. So it's very, very, uh, very proper. They have to oh, so proper. keep their keep their wrists on the table that they can't lounge make sure your hands are folded you gotta say ma'am and always be polite you gotta say the bible verses before you say goodbye to anybody mm-hmm. yeah very uh christian traditionalist so our our protagonist offred is thrown into a desk chair and uh in the back of the room and w- interestingly um she walks in and she sees Someone who she recognizes as a friend from school growing up, uh, who is named Moira, uh, this black woman who is almost like a voice of reason for for uh, Alfred, but they sort of exchange glances as she's placed into this desk, and there's this woman next to Alfred, uh, this redheaded woman who we learn is named Janine, and she's sort of lounging in her chair saying you know this is all uh you know bullshit this is this is not real what like what's the purpose here she's very standoffish she is not going to drink the drink the handmade kool-aid as this <laughs> that this aunt lydia uh is going trying to to give her through this discussion and that's when we learn about the cattle prod so you yeah. you said that there's a taser yeah it, yeah cattle prods exactly exactly what it was right right well what did what did how did they deliver it so janine is she's like that bad school girl who just like doesn't want to do any of her work Mm -hmm. and like she's like done with this shit and then Mm -hmm. and then she's like disobeying aunt lydia and aunt lydia comes over with this big ass cow prod Mm -hmm. she says fuck you to aunt lydia Mm. and then that Aunt Lydia was like, all right, had enough of your shit. And then yeah, she just yeah. zaps her right in the neck. Yeah. And then, do they drag her away? They drag her away. Yeah. yeah. It cuts to 
the girls sleeping at night and loud bang from the door opening while they're sleeping happens and they're dragging in Janine and she's got a big bandage over her eye and they just throw her into her bed don't like don't even care about her just like treating her like trash and Janine is just sitting there crying and then it goes over and shows your face with the bandage it's all bloody and then I think they refer to a quote about if you disobey something, you get your right eye plucked out. So we see that Janine is thrown into this bed. We, we see it through the eyes of Alfred and Moira. They're, they were chit-chatting before the guards drug her into the room. And yeah, she's missing her, her right eye. And then for the rest of the episode, anytime we see her, she's got this really nasty, uh, like, stitched, closed right eye. Yeah. But... She sort of uh, devolves into like a lunatic character. Oh, definitely. She's often seen talking to herself. Uh, there's this scene in a later part of the episode where she's just uh, reciting phrases that she's supposed to say as a when, handmaid. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. she is looking out the window, um, kind of freaking out. Oh, well, actually, she's not freaking out. She's she's pretty much just in this zone she was reciting like lines you would say if you're like a waiter at like a restaurant it was weird she was like oh does that taste good or how's your food or can i go get you something and like all this weird stuff at, like as if she wanted to be like back at her normal life but like they kept slapping at her trying to snap her out of it yeah a lot of like uh a lot of like s subservient lines that she's speaking out of this window and, and Moira and Alfred go up to try to shake some sense snap, into her, snap the shit out of it. Uh, because if the guards come in, then, uh, one of the other girls in the room says, I'm not, I don't want to recite more Bible verses before bed. So they, they try, they snap her into her senses. They get her back into bed and then, uh, things move on. So Moira promises that, uh, Alfred will be able to find her, her daughter and they hope that obviously she's holding out hope that she can get back to her previous life before she was kidnapped but uh if you could sort of describe the day-to-day -day actions of a handmaid aside from what we described as her being serving this sexual purpose like what do they what do they do day in day out um so they have a buddy, mm -hmm. and what's Alfred's buddy's name again? Do you know? Oglin. Rory from Gilmore Girls. So they meet up in the morning in the first episode, and they go to the supermarket. And they on the way to the supermarket, it's weird because they're just like showing like all the other handmaids walking around with another buddy. So they they can only walk in pairs, and they get to the supermarket. And everyone's freaking out because they have oranges. And I, know, I didn't understand why that was a big deal. I, I don't know what they said. So this is, this is where you realize. They, they walk into the supermarket and there's tons of armed guards. It's not yeah. just a traditional supermarket. The, the entire United States has been taken under this siege or something. Or they're, whoever the, the commanders are that the handmaids are responsible to, they're 
overseeing some maybe political coup or something. Right. But yeah, there's there's all these guards in the store and when you realize something must have happened, one of the other handmaids, they're just sort of chit-chatting with each other in the store. She says, oh, we have oranges. The fighting must be going well in Florida. So I think this will be great for our later part of the pod where we talk about what we think might oh, be yeah. going on. But you you realize then in that moment, like, oh, there's, there's a full-on war. And yeah. people are fighting in the United States. But they're getting oranges, and uh, yeah, they, they got must oranges. Be... That's what matters to the handmaids. Well, I don't know if it's what matters to the yeah, handmaids, I... but their <laughs> their purpose is to you know for their whoever's in charge of them to to give them exactly what yeah. they want. So that's why they they send them to do uh, chores and stuff. And then on the way back from the store, do you remember what happens? This is like probably what I think is the heaviest part of the episode. So hit, hit me with a hint. So. They look up and they see... Oh, the river? The, or the, yeah, they go to walk along the river. I think Offred suggested... And this is a really, really important thing. So, Offred on the outside is very um, devoid of emotion. She doesn't really share a lot. But what I think the show excels at is using her... Narration. Her narration through her mind, uh, sharing... What her actual thoughts are. Sharing what her actual thoughts are. So uh, you can really tell that this whole thing is garbage to her, but she's not going to show it on the outside. No control, yeah. She is obviously very distrusting of everything that's going on. She's also not trying to to drink the Kool-Aid, but not in the same way of Janine where she's going to be fighting back against them. She points out that she thinks the whole buddy system is like a sham, that... They're just spies for one another to almost tell on the other person yeah, to get yeah. them in trouble. And later on, they is it Ogland, her mm-hmm. buddy? Yeah. At towards the end, Ogland says, "Someone in your house that you're living in is a spy, so look out." Oh yeah. Once they become, once they like become quote friends, right? Ogland's like, "Watch out, there's a spy in your house," right? And Alfred doesn't know that. Okay, so yeah, they're walking back along the river on the way back from the store, and the two of them look up, and they see three hanging bodies, and... They said one was a doctor. One was a doctor. One was a priest. Yeah, a priest, a doctor, and a gay man. Yeah. And she says, I've heard this joke before, I don't think this was the punchline. And they were Which all is like hung. super, super heavy. And they were all hung mm-hmm. along the river with... With the potato sacks over their heads, all yeah. bloody, and it was it was a, a real, real mess. And then that that moment, that's when you know that it's real. And then mm-hmm. after they see the dead bodies, they decide to head back to Offred's house. And as they get up to Offred's house, Oglin asks to go do something. Do you remember what that was, or was it? Did she just suggest to like continue their walk or something? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Offred gets to the house, and I believe Ogland asks to go do something, but then Offred goes, sorry, I had to get re- ready for the ceremony. I had to bathe and and just, like, prepare herself mentally, too, I guess. And 
then it cuts to her going, taking a bath, mm-hmm. and just like, no, like knowing what's coming next and trying to like get ready for it. She says, uh, she gets uh, flashbacks of her daughter most often when she's in the bed. You get this small flashback of them at the aquarium, and this really there's this the really bath. neat scene. Yeah, while while Alfred's in in the bath. There's this really neat scene where it's her and her husband and their daughter, and they're silhouetted against this deep blue uh, tank with these colorful jellyfish. Yeah, and it's a, it's just a really really uh, beautiful shot. So she takes this bath. She has to. She refers to have to being. She's being clean like a prize pig. Yeah, and. Uh, and then we have the ceremony, which is where we realize the real role of what a handmaid yeah. is. If you, you know, couldn't figure it out from before, she's responsible for um, being fertile, receiving yeah, receiving the seed of the commander who is in charge of her. There, there's a bunch of different commanders we we learn, but she's under Commander Fred Waterford, and. Uh, his wife, Serena Joy, uh, who shares these intense moments of jealousy because she knows that the one that's going to be bedded with uh, the commander is going to be Offred. Uh, not that Offred wants it. Wants it, yeah. It's just the role that she has to serve in this uh, estranged cult. So she's prepped and ready for this ceremony. Uh, she's in her red gown. She goes before the commander, and he sort. She she kneels before him, and he reads uh, a Bible verse about uh, Jacob from the Old Testament and how he is uh, given a son. And then it gets into the real nitty gritty about the act that he commits on her. The commander is impregnating mm-hmm. Offred but Offred is laying down with her head in Joy's Serena Joy's lady in green dress right she's she's in her the lap sort of yeah and they said some bible verse along yeah. the lines of if you impregnate the handmaid it goes through up into Serena Joy. So, so basically, what what um, Sean was describing um, is you have the the commander, and then you have the handmaid, and then you have her head in the lap of the wife who can't get pregnant, and it's basically like this chain that travels through, not literally to her, like she's not actually going yeah. to be pregnant because of it, but it's like to give her, I guess, the sensation of what it would be like if it was her and not the handmaid and they they didn't show any emotion during either she just had to keep a straight face yeah and so did he while they did the dirty yeah it's not it's not it's clearly not a pleasurable experience for anybody it is strictly business and that's what you can tell uh and and after it's done uh serena joy you know tells her get out and she says it would be better for the baby if I lay on my back. And she says, "Get out of get out of my room," because as we mentioned before, she's considerably jealous of. She's salty. 
She's real, real salty. She's at the salty spittoon. She's at the salty spittoon. Next, we have this scene where all of the handsmaids in their pairs go out to this field. And they have this big meeting with um, Aunt Lydia. Aunt Lydia, yeah. And they're all uh, listening to her speak to them. And there's this stage in front of them. And there's this man who has who, who's bound, and yeah. Aunt Lydia describes to them that he was a rapist who defiled one of the Handmaid. handmaids, and the handmaids subsequently lost her baby. It bef- right before this happened, uh, while they're lining up and getting ready, uh, Janine, who is very, very pregnant, very do she was ready to pop. Uh, looks back as uh, Alfred is talking to one of the other handmaids about who their commanders are. And she says that uh, her friend Moira Moira is uh, no longer with them. She is in the colonies. In the colonies for trying to escape. But that that didn't really make sense to me because in the bedroom when Janine got her eye ripped out, she was the one saying... That she didn't want to get, like, caught, wasn't Right. So, she was sent to the colonies for whatever reason, whatever the the specific details are. I, I, she did try to escape in one way or another. No, they didn't, they didn't, you don't get a flashback, you don't get any of that. You have no clue. All you know is, uh, Offred's reaction is... Not good. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. She is very upset because this is her closest thing she has to a good friend here. And uh, you find out that she's taken to the colonies. Do you know... They, they describe what the colonies are earlier in the episode. Do you do you remember what? They said that you're just doing like labor work and it's with like... Was it acid or something? There's like radioactive waste. And, and so. then your skin just like peels away, mm-hmm. they were saying, until you die pretty much. So it sounds like a radioactive war maybe going on yeah so definitely uh would be suggestive of some nuclear activity um maybe we can figure it out later so aunt lydia is on stage telling them this about this man and she mentions that the punishment for this crime that he is against uh the society is death now i was thinking that he was just going to get shot but this is because he was on his knees. This is the where the real culty stuff comes uh-huh. in. They place him in the center of all the other the handmaids. Girls gather in a they gather around, around him, and they go to town. On they him. just start wailing at him until he's just laying there dead. And yep. and uh, Alfred, I mm-hmm. keep going to say Alfred, <laughs> but like, uh, all right, Alfred. Right, since it was right after she was told that Moira died, she just, she had all those angry emotions. She was, like, in her bag. And <laughs> and then she just, like, gets that angry face, and she just goes to town on this guy. And, of course, like, for the show, she was the first one to hit him. Mm-hmm. Just for the show. Like, because well, why not? I mean, she, you definitely, it was definitely a purging of her, her anger on oh, this definitely. man. Uh whether or not she actually wanted to kill him it she knew he was dead so she uh-huh. figured i this is my outlet 
I need to to take it out. But yeah, that's it's a that's a, a crazy crazy scene. And that, they just expect everybody to go back to normal yeah. after they kill them. And then you see Janine outside of the circle, and she's just petting her stomach. Yeah, and she's, she's got this smiling. strange look. Uh, very. Uh, they she's com- a very dark character. They completely just brainwashed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, com- that's she is like the most. Like they're really brainwashed. She is like, oh, she's she's a, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we wrap up the episode with uh, a short segment of her going out again with Auckland, and what we see is is rather fascinating. So we learned that she's very distrusting of this character who she doesn't know. She thinks she's a spy for her, and she feels that. She, uh, Offred being feels that she's a spy for Ogland to you know tell the commander uh, if something bad happens and they go on this walk and they go outside of the store that that uh, Ogland mentions used to be used to be a, an ice cream store yeah. and they had this this is it butterscotch or is it it was caramel caramel was salt salted caramel yeah. ice cream that. Uh, she says is better than sex, and then there's this pause, <laughs> and then that's when they like hit it off, pretty much. And she, yeah, there's this pause, and she says better than good sex, not the the stuff that they're doing as yeah. as handmaids. So there's this real humanizing moment there. It's it's really well delivered because they're talking into the glass, and the uh-huh. camera is showing like the reflection of the ladies in the glass. So they sort of drop their guards. And then on their way home, they start whispering with each other and realizing that they're both in similar situations. And they were they they were having the conversation outside the ice cream store. And then what made them leave was whenever that that black van rolls mm-hmm. around, they just have to like act natural or, or quote natural, right? And they gotta like go back to acting like handmaids and then they just walk, start walking back so and at, and then when they get back to Alfred's house Oglin says I, I quoted this she said there's an eye in your house be careful mm. which then Alfred that's when she she walked into her house and then the, I think it might have been the rest of the episode. She was just like all sketched out looking. And then she sees jo- Serena Joy with Commander. And Commander goes into this room with like a bunch of other like menly men. Mm-hmm. And then they close the doors on Serena. And then she's just standing there looking like she's about to cry. And then she looks over to see Alfred staring at her. And she goes, go up to your room. And then... What ha- I don't I don't recall what happened after that. Yeah, so Alfred goes goes back to her room, and then as we mentioned before, the show closes out with an inner monologue of her sitting in the windowsill again. It's the same exact shot from the very beginning of the episode when she's introducing herself, but this is where she gets down to the nitty gritty of exactly what she wants. She will find a way to escape. She will survive. She will find her daughter. Uh, because she knows her husband is dead. And that's when we learn that she's fighting for Luke, for Hannah, uh, those being her husband and her daughter. And then she introduces to us her true name, 
which is June. I like that. It's a great. It's a. It's a great name. She, it, it fits that role. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. It. It. Yeah. it it's like that was a really appropriately given name it's weird. for her. It, it was just like the way she delivers it. She says, "And my name is is June," and then the episode fades out. So yeah, that's a. It's a really heavy way to end the episode, but you have your protagonist. You have her. Uh, her mission and for the rest of her time here this is what she's going to fight for um and it really is a compelling way to to finish that up so what were your main likes and dislikes what what did you what did you take away the most i liked how it was like put in sequence like the flashbacks were perfect the the plot was good I don't know if I liked or didn't like the beginning and how it just, like, throws you in, like, you don't really know what's going on. I'm sure there'll be something about why they were running from the cops and all that in later episodes. Dislikes more... This isn't really a show that, like, I can see myself watching alone, like, just, like, when I'm bored, chilling in my room, I got nothing to do. Like, this isn't something I put on, like... It's just, I don't know, it's not one of those shows for me. They won awards after awards at the Emmys. So obviously it's hitting the chord with somebody. So, I don't know. It, it's not for me, personally. But, I don't know. What do you think? So, the way, the things I like most about it, I think it's really... Well shot, obviously. I think the yeah, sound definitely. the sound design is incredible. The casting's really good. All of the the characters deliver really compelling roles. Um, but I'm sort of in in the same place as you. It it doesn't it it grips me in a way that I don't really want to be gripped. <laughs> I, I'm like sort of uncomfortable. I well, I'm not not sort of. I am very uncomfortable most of the time. Uh, like my my sister has watched it all, yeah. and and she I, I texted her after I, I completed the episode and I was like that was really tough to get through and she said it's truly a cinematic masterpiece, very disturbing though. And yeah. She says there's a lot up front, which I imagine. What do you mean by up front? It's a pilot episode, so oh, yeah. they're trying to get the show you know off the ground they're trying to let you know they, they need to to be the realest they can with their audience and that's the purpose that's served of, of these pilot episodes uh, it's not going to be like walking dead where they just give you like one episode of one episode of like all this energy and like fighting and all this and then they'll just like drag it on for five more seasons and right. then it'll just be like the most boring show ever i used to love that show now it's just like Bummer. Put, dream. put The Walking Dead on roast. We won't have to watch that show for this. Not that... Because I've never watched it, but... It's it's really good. In the beginning. In the <laughs> I was going to say, you're giving me conflicting <laughs> conflicting opinions. But, uh, yeah, it was, again, a an impressive show. I never read the book by Margaret Atwood. Yeah, uh, but I knew from my friends who read it that it was a... a a very you know big roller coaster of of things happening 
I don't know how well it adapts, but I'm assuming it's a really strong adaption if it has seen the seen type of awards that it's success. received. Um, and yeah, it's it's um it's very impressive, and that's all I can really say about it. I don't really want to see more, but it had me. It grips you. It in it, a way. it gripped you in a way, uh, and and that was our uh, that was our viewing of the handmaid's tale the hulu original television show it grips you in the gnocchis it grips you right in the in the gnocchis in the gnocchis <laughs> gets you real good so now's the part of the podcast where we talk about things that we think are going to happen next in the show our sort of uh spoiler part where we might talk about things that uh may or may not, may or may not happen and we're going to do our best to spoil gonna, as much as we can we're gonna try and spoil we're gonna try and spoil we probably won't but we probably won't to. <laughs> so uh what's the thing what do you what gets you excited so i'm like i said before i'm sure they'll go into detail about the husband more how they started running from the cops right right as you start the episode it's just sirens no no background information just wee woo and then, a lot of wee woo <laughs> and what else um they'll probably show some more moira obviously they can't just like show her for five seconds in the show be like oh this girl used to be my best friend and then five minutes later Oh, did you hear? Moira died. <laughs> she went to the colonies and burned from acid. I'm sure there'll be more of Janine with her giving birth. Her That's insane true. self. A lot of them are, are you assume, going to give birth to good, bad. Like, who knows what the kids are going to be like. I wonder if... Alright, I have a prediction. Hit me. I might have a spoiler. Alright. What if... Alfred has a miscarriage. I wouldn't put it past them. They they talked miscarriages a lot in the show. What? Um, yeah, like what? What if, like, Commander puts a seed in her, and something just goes terribly terribly wrong? Well, yeah, I mean, she was running around a lot. She they're they're doing a lot of physical activity when they're doing these weird killings. Yeah. Like, there's any any reason that she could. Not I. I would imagine it's probably it probably doesn't happen right away. Oh but no! I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if that was a, a thing. And then what? What do you think? You think she would be punished? Maybe I would imagine. Uh, yeah, probably they'd probably try to. Right. I heard you have some questions. Yes, I have. So for for my predictions, I'm sort of going to start the conversation by hitting Sean with a bunch of questions that I have from the episode. So how do you think this all happened? What's like your theory on oh God. what brought about this cult, this lockdown government? Some, some religious, something religious. It's gotta be something religious. Oh, you think, you think that there's like uh like you think it goes outside of man on man war? It potentially, but like, there's no reason that, like, every time that someone has to say hi they, or bye, they have to say, blessed be the fruit. Mm. Like, they're really, like, before they said hi, they would say some 
Bible verse that was like, blessed be the fruit. Mm-hmm. And then why, how does that just like happen out of the clear blue if there was no like reasoning behind it? Like there had to be an origin of that hmm. and the origin might have started like through a religious war maybe. I mean, that might be a, that's probably a really big stretch, yeah. but it that... could be, it could be it could be along that line. But I feel as if the the biblical the the biblical phrasing that they all talk in is a result of who's in charge of them. So I think yeah. that the heads of the government, the commanders, are just probably really religious, bringing about this traditional narrative and because they're oppressing in a way that they can get whatever they want so if if they want people to say these these lines they're gonna get it because they're the ones in charge so i would think it's less of like an event that caused it more about the people that came to power maybe it's like like a reverse civil war like that that would be kind of interesting maybe there's a dictatorship yeah, well, probably there is a dictatorship. Yeah. What's What's interesting though is you realize you find out in the episode that it's not a global thing because certain Americans you you learn escaped to Canada. Really. So it's really yeah, it's really I just uh, Auckland in her in her conversation with Alfred uh, tells that she had a a wife and a daughter, and they were able to escape. To Canada, but she was stuck and she couldn't get her papers in. Yeah, so something happened, and then once everybody, everybody that was in the U.S. was stuck and basically thrown into this society. Yeah, I remember that. So, outside of that, who do you think the I on the inside is? Who do you think is in the house that is has got this dirt or is keeping tabs on Alfred? I want to say the cook. Like that, the uh, that lady that was like that Alfred met in the beginning when she first went downstairs. I believe her name's Martha, or she's referred to as a Martha. Yeah, I want to say her, mm. but I feel like that would just be too obvious because like they they make her character with like a attitude and like she's moody, but like I feel like if they made her, it would yeah, it would just be like too obvious. Yeah. Um. But I'm trying to think of like who else there is. There's the gardener Nick. Is yeah, it... I feel like they want you to think that it's Nick because he just is always weirdly looking at her. Yeah. Um. As and I would. That might be obvious too. But yeah, that that seems like a uh, you know, a very classic case of yeah. hit and switch lure the viewer into thinking this, and then whoop, it's not him, it's somebody else. It could be in the house. Serena Joy, maybe. It could be Serena Joy. Treating her like a dick. Yeah. Um, not the commander, no way in hell. Right. Uh, I mean, it could be Janine. It could be Janine. It could Are be... they all in the same house? Oh, yeah. No, it's like a, it's like all the beds are next to each other. They all live, they all live together. It's like a, it's like a mansion. It is? It's really big. I thought where they were sleeping was just like a center that they were at. Oh, you think that was before they go? That... That could be. I never thought about it like that. That they were all put there before they got their assignments with exactly, the commanders. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because like, because Oglin just dropped her off, and then Oglin was going to go home. Right. Right. Okay. Maybe then. There's a kind. There is a limited amount of people. It could be a character that we don't know. That's the thing. Exactly. 
but but at the same time when when she said that there's an eye in your house she was like looking around all mysteriously like right. as if it was somebody that we knew she's going to be on uh Alfred is going to be on high alert oh definitely trying to figure out this little tidbit of information but yeah if i had to if i had to put it all down it feels like it feels like it's probably a war within the united states could you imagine if like a state in the south had a nuke and they nuke their own country and like there's fighting in florida who who knows like and and, and all the guards are armed um, and american like they're not uh, yeah they're like, all white it's not they're but all the like commanders are, men yeah that i mean the commanders are are seem to be american men like i don't really know it's 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 a little it seems a little fishy and we don't know we only watched one episode and we're not gonna watch anymore no. so all I we mean, can do is sort of fantasize or, or think about what what it could be but i think that's like the most interesting thing do you think they're gonna ever go out into the colonies oh man i don't know why they'd want to i mean from yeah. what they're told i mean why would you want to go there and peel your skin off with acid right <laughs> do you, you ever play fallout i i know of it yeah so it's like this is my my brain just went full fallout mode uh once they they mentioned this they're just like in a safe zone then once they like go out of like the gates it's just like hell on earth yeah exactly like this is their vault this town this really pristine looking town yeah it's like it's like it's like a media yeah if you're from yeah i was thinking like uh i was thinking i got more like no, I, I wasn't thinking. I wasn't putting it in in the Pennsylvania mold. If you've, I, I you've probably never been to Charleston in South Carolina, but no. that's sort of what it it felt like a little bit to me. Um, like it felt, it felt southern, but I don't think they ever tell us yeah. where in the United States it is. But yeah, I, I think like oh, here's these these nice centers, and then outside of these centers, it's just barren wasteland. And if I knew any better, they wouldn't mention this colonies thing without it being something. So one of one of the characters is going there, and we're going to see what it's like. But it maybe, is probably really not great. Maybe I, I might have a prediction. All right, hit me. What if Moira actually did get sent to the colonies, mm-hmm. but somehow escapes and comes back and informs everybody? Sure. I think that's a that's a fine way. I, there's, I wonder if like there's a better chance of escaping there than it is in oh, the house. I mean, from what we've seen, there's guards everywhere, literally just everywhere, machine guns, just casually like holding all dressed in black. It looks like it's hot out too. Oh like, yeah, and they're dressed like fully. Mm-hmm. They be know. they be dressing. They be dressing. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot that could be happening that they set up a ton. There's, there's past information to learn. There's obviously future events to happen. There's all sorts of stuff with our main character and all the, the characters that she's associated with. But yeah, the, the mind definitely, the mind definitely goes in a million different directions. And I think that is 
a really good sign of what the show was able to do in the in in its pilot episode. It'll definitely get more deep. Oh, definitely. Definitely. There'll be more ceremonies, I'm sure. Darker and darker and darker. Because that's all the show is. Pretty super much. Super dark and super Viewer scary. Viewer discretion is advised. Viewer discretion is advised. Our final segment of the pod is going to be our rating segment. And we're going to do it on two... Two, what would you call it? Two... A two-point scale. Two-point scale. <laughs> All right, so point one. This show is clear for takeoff. Point two... Did I say point two? <laughs> you said... Did you I said, start off with point two or did I say I think point he, one? Okay, I think you said point one. All right, well, anyway. Point two is ready for a crap... Jesus Christ. <laughs> we're, we're leaving this all in. We're leaving this all in. Point... No! Ready for a crash landing. Ready for a or crash landing. Or nobody's ready for a crash landing. No. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, buckle your seatbelt. Buckle your seatbelt. Crash seat landing. <laughs> Point two. There's going to be a crash landing of this show, and it's not going to go anywhere. No more seasons. Just a brutal ending. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking, John? You know, based on those awards, that this show is clear for takeoff. It might not be clear for takeoff with me, but this show is going as long as they need it to tell whatever story they they want. It's it could go five, it could go six, it could go seven seasons. I don't know. What I do know is that season three is coming out very soon. Really? Yeah, like like very very soon, like any day. Um, so they they are through their first two seasons and they're on to the third. Uh, I'm interested if it's going to be like a Game of Thrones situation where they're going to extend the story outside of the book. I would imagine most uh, book adaptions tend to... Never seen Game of Thrones. Not if, me neither. Me neither. Oh, oh I, I watched a season and a half. But, uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a Game of Thrones stan. So anybody can, you know, on Twitter you can get off my back. But, yeah, I, I think this, this show is going to go... Uh, for the long haul, or whatever, whatever they want out of it, definitely bring in the big bucks. Yeah. So, what I'm assuming you feel the same way. Yeah, like you said, it's based off of the awards, pretty much. They got a lot of Emmys, a lot of Emmys. <laughs> like it's just many Emmys, many many Emmys, and it's just like for me, I I don't need anything dark to watch. Like I just I don't need this rape i don't need to watch this rape it's just like it's just not for me i guess but like it's definitely intriguing like yeah you can definitely see where the potential is there's no doubt about that Mm -hmm. but i don't know it's just like it's not something i would sit and watch Mm -hmm. when i have the time yeah I, it's definitely clear for takeoff though yeah it, it is it has its fandoms i was searching for for podcasts that were just about the show i found tons and tons and tons of different podcasts of people talking about each episode of it so it is it is definitely clear for takeoff for a lot of people and like you said before the cinematography mm-hmm. that was really good oh yeah like and I don't know if you were paying attention to this, but I was paying attention to some of the soundtrack. The soundtrack is like, 
It's actually pretty good. I didn't like sit on the music, but it's like, not terrible. Like it's not just like Ew, what is this? It like blends in. Oh yeah, perfectly. no, there were definitely some really good sound cues. Yeah, <clears throat> and it wasn't like it wasn't like those corny movies or shows that mm-hmm. like as soon as that tense music stops, you get like a jump scare or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it bl- it blends in. It doesn't give away anything, or, and it doesn't sound ugly, in my opinion. I wish there was a jump scare. I don't think that they would do that. <laughs> like, I, I, I just, there was, there was not even a second where I was on, or where I was even comfortable, like, the entire time. Yeah. Like I said, you're, you're gripped in a way You don't want to be gripped. You don't want to be gripped. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's rough. Again, neither of us will, will probably be continuing with the show, but this is a really strong product. And it's really made a strong name for Hulu's original shows. I oh, mean, of, of all of their their shows that they have now, this is probably one of their strongest entries, if not the strongest. So there's no way that it's getting cut short unless something, uh, you know, something really bad happens to uh, anybody involved in, in the show. Um, not- or somebody doesn't sign on to, to continue which I really find it hard to believe because they're all taking their roles super seriously and you can see that in, in the way that they deliver their lines. Yeah. And it's def- if you want a depressing cheek clencher to watch, this is the depressing you cheek clencher. You might want a de- to watch. <laughs> depressing cheek clencher. I guess that's the I guess that's how we uh that's can how, categorize that's this. That's how one. I'm gonna plug it. Yeah, man. But it's no it's no Joshi. No Joshi no at Joshi. all. I wish it was Joshi, but it, it's no Joshi. Joshi wouldn't really fit into this one. Viewer, dec- viewer discretion, not advice. <laughs> viewer discretion is advised. So that was it for episode two of the Pilot's Guide podcast. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we'd like to thank Angelo, our producer, uh, for all of the good, good sound stuff that he does for us. Uh, we'd like to thank my sister Emily for uh, doing our logos. And uh, if you want to follow future episodes of the show, Sean and I think that we are going to make this a Friday posted podcast. Uh, and for the time being, it'll be on our SoundCloud. So you can follow us on our Twitter at Pilots Guide Pod. And uh, we'll be sharing links to our new episodes every Friday. And that is, for the time being, how we're going to to manage everything. But eventually, I I believe, in a couple weeks down the road, we'll be trying to expand to the uh, larger podcast apps like uh, iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. So I'm super excited, uh, after this bleak episode, to uh, introduce what we'll be watching next week. Uh, We're going to be watching the new Netflix original show, Carmen San Diego. Sean, you don't have any idea about Carmen San Diego, do you? I have no background information on this show. I don't know what to expect at so all. There was an old cartoon. It's about this woman, and she's like a super spy. She wears this trademark red trench coat, and she's all over the world. And it's about these kids that are trying to find out where in the world is Carmen San Diego. So. It's our first cartoon episode. I'm really excited. I'm hoping that it's going to be light and fun and we'll have a lot to talk about. If you, uh, as 
listeners want to join us in watching the episode, uh, we will be watching part one and two of the pilot episode for that show. So more than just the first one, and that way we're all in the know about what details we're going to be talking page. about. We're all going to be on the same page. So yeah, I'm super excited about that. That'll be a new venture for us in the early goings of this podcast. Uh, Sean, do you have anything to say to the viewers before we head out? Links in the bio of Twitter, SoundCloud, and... And our email. And our email. Uh, our Twitter ads are in our bio on the Twitter. Yes, yeah. Our and respective Twitter ads. Our respective Twitter ads. And I think that's it. Yeah, so uh, again, thank you so much for listening. This is John. And Sean. And we're signing off. Thanks again for flying with us, fellow co-pilots, and we hope that you'll fly with us in the future. Morning.